the Blaze Radio Network. On demand. And the uh, fat guy. Uh, we call him Jeffy, but uh, a lot of people just refer to him as Fatso. In reality, reality on this show, uh, you have a wide selection of fat guys to choose from. A Whichever wide fat guy selection. You want. <clears throat> uh, you yeah. Have He's fat just guy. the fat guy that's over there. We're the fat guys <laughs> over here. <laughs> it's really at this point. A lot point. of people call us fatso, too. <laughs> yes, uh, and we are. They're right. Uh, we just ignore that little yeah. fact from time to time. Yeah, it's one of the. Well, that's I mean, why there's no sense in you know giving too much information, right? It's like uh, that movie Pop Star, uh, which is uh, not a big hit, but it's an Andy Samberg movie, and he has a, a why. He's like a, a Justin Bieber type, but he hires a short person to stand with him so he looks taller, uh, and that's kind of what we would do with Jeffy. Like Jeffy, right. you know, like to, yeah, in yeah. comparison, we look like you know we're only kind of pretty fat. Yeah, like Jeffy would like to have Chris Christie around. Right, exactly. So that he, point, that's exactly right. Uh, we pointed that out. In comparison, you know. What we're saying is you're... Uh, no, I, 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 I guess I, what I, we're I, trying I, to say... Is that is you're uh, overweight. overweight. Uh, I, I got it. I don't kind of boils down to. Oh my God! By the way, do we have the Grenada tweet by any chance? I, that's, I was going to use that in my in my segment. Okay, yeah. we'll hold it for you. Have to see this tweet from uh, from yeah. a couple listeners um, uh, who <laughs> who are who are fans are of Jeffy's military well? service. Let's put it that way. Uh, I will show you that coming up on the program. Um, I, I like as far as tweets go. I like this tweet as well. This is a. Um, uh, NPR was tweeting uh, some stuff. They tweeted some propaganda. So I would say some anti-hardcore, anti-Trump propaganda. Uh, and uh, the Trump fans really reacted to it strongly. And look, this could happen, obviously, with the left as well. But this is why we always say it's important to be educated. It's important to have a foundation to understand what you're doing, uh, to have some sort of basis for the, some sort of principle in your life. This is, these are the tweets from NPR. Uh, can we show those, please? Uh, here they are. Uh, in Congress, July 4th, 1776, this is why you're going to get defunded. Okay. Uh, next, uh, 2,241 years ago, the church bells rang out over Philadelphia as the Declaration of Independence was adopted. This is a spam. Uh, okay. Uh, again, this is just them complaining about the amount of alerts. Um, do we have the ones where they're actually tweeting the, uh, is the right of the people to alter or abolish it, to institute new government? Um, NPR is calling for revolution. Uh, interesting way to condone violence while trying to sound patriotic. Your implications are clear. <laughs> Wait, that's just Come the Declaration on. of Independence, guys. Uh, that's just. Oh man. They're just quoting the document that uh, you know, the July Fourth, good day for it. 
Yeah, you would uh, think. Perhaps. Uh, yeah. Which is, it's an interesting thing when you don't know what the Declaration of Independence says or what Good it stands golly. for. You're going to be shocked by the... Or uh, what day it is. <laughs> I mean... It's incredible. Uh, so, oh, man. <laughs> uh, kind of, uh, not a, not the, the brightest moment. Of course, this would absolutely 100% happen to the left. The difference with the left is they don't say they like <laughs> the De Declaration of Independence. In mm -hmm. fact, Woodrow Wilson said it was basically a dead letter. Uh, so, uh, yeah, it's kind yeah. of a, a little bit of a difference. A really strange story um, uh, with this d Department of Justice, and, I, and I, this is Trump's Department of Justice coming down on Hobby Lobby. One of the strangest <laughs> stories I'd ever seen before. Apparently, Hobby Lobby, allegedly, mm. uh, was importing stuff from Iraq. Uh, art, like archives, weird, uh, art, you know, um, uh, uh, these bizarre things that I guess uh, were... Artifacts? Yeah, I guess artifacts is what I'm looking for. Strange, uh, so these artifacts from Iraq, and they were importing them in boxes labeled sample. And they imported millions of dollars of these things. Um, and they were all sent to, I guess, their headquarters in Oklahoma. And it seems like uh, a Hobby Lobby's kind of admitted this, that they were buying these things. They went from Iraq to, I think, I want to say it was the, the UAE and through Israel. And then they were importing them. Uh, and they were being called samples. When in reality, I guess they were these artifacts that uh, I guess Hobby Lobby wanted to save from the region. Like ancient writings and drawings hmm. uh, and uh, the DOJ apparently caught them a couple of times doing it and find them and now they are f going to have to pay three million dollars in fines resolving the civil action so what is what was the problem with what they're doing I guess the the uh, they're worried that they get these things get looted in a war zone and then uh -huh. get e exported so you're not they don't want you importing something that's been looted from a historical site they, you know, you're not allowed to do that, I guess. Uh, these nitpickers. Um, so I guess there's a big so business. So were this. they actually, Hobby Lobby was doing something illegal? Because I, I, I find that hard to believe. I know, but it seems like illegal is, kind of, I, we know these people and they're not. That's why I thought it was fascinating. They're not people that do illegal things. They're no. misrepresented. Um, and who knows what level this was? Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I but mean, I mean, it does it, it, because it was ancient text. I guess the accusation from some of the left is, and I don't know that that's this is necessarily shown in the in the uh, in the suit. But like they, because of the, of a religious interest, they had a, an interest in preserving these ancient uh, writings. Okay, was and, and was it somehow illegal though? Yeah, it was. It's illegal to import them because the it's essentially creating a, a black market for these things. You go to a historical site in a war zone, mm. take them, and then you can sell them for a lot of money. Um, and but and they were also being though imported in boxes that said samples that were obviously not tile samples. They were so you know, like yeah, they, right. they, 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 we we might just make ancient uh, we might just sell ancient uh, texts. I don't know huh. if they're saying maybe they were going to base That's something strange. off of them. I don't know what they were saying, but it's kind of an interesting thing. And I guess they've now settled it. They have to return them all and pay three million dollars in fines uh, from uh, for with Hot uh, Wow, yeah, that's kind it of says in the story how they were uh, wiring payments for the artifacts as well. Uh, and you may have mentioned it, but to seven different personal bank accounts. <laughs> Uh, to sounds, other individuals, I mean, it's a little, like it was a little shady. Shady, mm -hmm. shady you know, the whole thing was just a little shady. I yeah. would not expect from I know from yeah. Hobby Lobby from the Green family. They're, I mean, they're fantastic no. Christians who yes. who were so you know strong in their beliefs 
that they were willing to be fined a million dollars a day by the government for doing what they felt was right. So then to turn around and do something shady seems out of character. I mean, it could be that they thought this was right. Um, I would also say, too, I don't necessarily know that it went as high as the level of the Greens. Maybe, you know, had nothing to do with them. I mean, it yeah, maybe. just some other employee who thought this was the right thing to do. Yeah. Uh, and now they're settling the suit. But it is a bizarre. I, what's the reasoning? Is it, do you think, uh, just, just to preserve history? I mean, because there, there's I obviously, so, yeah. uh, there is obviously right in that, right? If you're preserving yeah. history and preserving important, potentially religious yeah, you, uh, writings. You'd want to do it under the law, though. What do you want to do with it under the law? I, I would think. No, not Jeffy. Jeffy would not. Yeah, if you need to get it, get it out of there. Let's go. How many bank... I like the bank accounts thing, too. Yeah. Like, you're, you're wiring it to seven different bank accounts, and their own, the, the attorney they brought on to look at these said, don't mm. do it. They had... Uh, yeah, they were warned because they were putting, you know, obviously, as you say, they were putting the wrong country of origin uh, coming into the states, yeah. So I mean, that was your. What are you doing, man? Come uh, on. This is um, somewhat really. I mean, we bring stuff into the country all the time from other countries that you ship to one country and then you ship it to another country, then you bring it into the United States. It happens all the time. Well, I. It is a. Very, it is strange. I was watching War Dogs, uh, which uh, is a, not a documentary, but is <laughs> based on a true story. Uh, so uh, Jonah Hill is in it. Uh, it's a. It's kind of like a dark comedy, I would say, but it's apparently a, a truish story um, based on two guys in their early 20s, early 20s, that somehow won a military bid for $300 million of arms. And they, uh, I guess, started out small and wound up winning this big uh, $300 million arms deal. And they needed to get, I think, AK 47 ammo, which they procured in some. So Azerbaijan, it was one of those countries, uh, Croatia, I don't know, it was, it, was, it was some country over there, Kazakhstan, I don't know. And it was, uh, and so they went and got uh, all this, 100 million rounds of AK-47 ammo, uh, and they wanted to ship it, they had to ship it, but it was, they found out after they bought it that it was Chinese, which was illegal, it was a, there was a, um, you know, an embargo against Chinese ammo. So they had to unpackage it and rebox it and then ship it through multiple sources to try to get this. Of course, the Americans actually realized it and they got arrested. Um, shockingly, uh, you, can't, you can't get 100 million rounds past the United States. Uh, they wound up noticing. Um, hmm. but it's bizarre. That, and the guy, I think the guy who headed it was 21 years old. Wow. How do, how do you give a 21-year-old a $300 million arms contract? How on Pretty earth amazing. Uh, could that even happen? Um, and, you know, I'm sure they blew much of it out of proportion, uh, but apparently it is based on Stuart an actual story. It was based on a true story. Yes. <laughs> they can't lie. Because uh, there's there's, it's a true story. It's based on a true story. Right. It's inspired by a true story. Right. There are levels of this. This one was based, mm -hmm. though, so you're in the middle there in my book. I love the inspired by true story, yeah. which yes. means you're about to see stuff that's, well, fiction. Yes, it's, it's basically <laughs> fiction, but we kind of got the we, idea. We told this however we wanted yes, to. Yes, yeah. But there's a real person who it, it really existed at one point that did none of these things. Yeah. <laughs> so that's usually what that means. Uh, all right. I guess the History Channel is on to something uh, involving Amelia Earhart. You know, she and her navigator, uh, Fred Noonan, uh, left and tried to circumnavigate the, the world on their, on their plane. And uh, they disappeared in 1937. And nobody found them since. Well... Apparently, there's a black and white image, a photo, 
that has finally been found by the History Channel, and it suggests that Earhart and Noonan survived the plane crash and were captured by uh, the Japanese in 1937. And uh, hmm. you can see two people who resemble Earhart and Noonan on a dock with their Lockheed Electra airplane aboard the ship. So the photo kind of backs the theory that the two survived a crash landing in the Marshall Islands, and then the, uh, the Japanese military took them into wow. custody and know. held them on the island of Saipan until they died. I mean, now, that's, a, that's a, it's a stretch to me to recognize them, obviously. I mean, you yeah, really can't I, see anything. Yeah, that looks just two like people her. You know resembling them? I, talking about. I mean, how does... You can't tell who that is. You can maybe make out that they're Westerners. I don't know. I can't even do that. Yeah. I mean, that, that's, uh, that's, that's scant proof uh, in now, my estimation. Now, I guess if you see their plane, is, now, is that uh, is their plane here? There's a wing you can kind of see there, maybe. Uh, okay, uh, But that maybe. seems like a real stretch uh, to me. Uh, uh, it kind of does. Uh, <laughs> I, wow. The lost, Amelia Earhart, the lost evidence, uh, airing uh, at 9 p.m. Still, that's interesting. <laughs> I mean, you know, everybody's had theories on, I think there, one of the theories was that they, they ran off together, she and Noonan. Oh, really? And just lived a separate life away from their other people who they were sort of bound to at one point. Do you understand what they're saying here, <laughs> Jeffy? Uh... And maybe they left their spouses and went off with okay. each other. And lived on some island and just, you That's know. That's all you got to do is take a plane trip. I'm in. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> yeah, what would you, you, you would stink and die without Amber. She's the only thing oh keeping God. you alive. Well, that in the, the fat cells. Well, yes. For, for, okay. for a time. Somewhere, you know, within the 20 to 30 year range, uh, he would survive. But and I've then, always kind of been fascinated with this case. So I'd, I'd probably watch this. And it, I, yeah. I guess the documentary. I like this. I was going to promote airs it. on. Uh, Are you doing the same thing? Because it says uh, Amelia Earhart, the lost evidence, airing 9 p.m. July on History. Yes. <laughs> so 9 p.m. Yes. in July. Just well, tune yeah, in. All this just, month. Just look, all this month. Look on the History Channel every night at 9 Eastern. <laughs> Eventually it'll be on. All month. Just use the search feature on your cable box. Yeah, I mean, Avery, you should be able to track mm. this stuff down. You have the internet, don't you? I mean, uh, right? unless you're in the Lumbee tribe or something right now uh, watching, which would be difficult. Well, and then, you know, you, you can't search internet like you like. Like you like. No, it'll take um, a while if you're in the Lumbee tribe, but you still figure it you'll out. You'll still figure it out. <laughs> uh, we talked a lot about Charlie Gard today. In fact, we spent most of the show on it, really, um, mm -hmm. uh, which is this case. And, you know, it's only, one, uh, it's only one person, and maybe we shouldn't care about it, you know, but if this is the type of thing that, A, it, no, I think we should care about We this. do care about individuals here in this country, um, and particularly on this show. Um, and, B, uh, it's bigger than that. It really is. I mean, it is. It's it's the constant degradation of how we treat human life, as if it's just this thing that, you know, it, it depending on the convenience level, uh, you know, you will kind of bypass it and 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 ignore it. Uh, they're doing that in 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 England right now. It makes no sense that they wouldn't let the the parents take their child and get and at least try for freaking you know crazy experimental treatment. What, what do they have to lose? They themselves are saying the kid has no chance. They themselves are saying it. It's not mm -hmm. like, this isn't the typical argument, I want experimental therapy, but the doctors say I want, you should get chemo. Like, it's not that. It's they're saying he, this kid has no chance of surviving without us. And they're saying, all right, well, let us try something. Well, you don't have to pay for it. This is one of the most clear-cut examples. Just give him back to us. Give him back We're to us. We're his parents, 
and we'll take care of the rest. I, I, it's really hard to understand yeah. why the hospital would have any problem with that. All right, go ahead. Take him. Yeah. I, and this, uh, it, take him. It goes back to the, they, the parent does have the kid. The parent is the state. That's the yeah. problem. Yes. It, it is, the parent is not the person who gave birth to them. That is not how that society is set up, and it's a great lesson to not set your society up that way. Mm. Because when you are not the parent, and the state is, they make all the decisions. And you know what? They're in their system justified to make those decisions. Whether they're legitimate, logical, or not, they can do whatever they pretty well please because, mm-hmm. you know, look, this is, a, this is a situation where they control the outcome. And if you want, I don't want a society set up that way. I want a society where the parents and, and individuals make their own decisions. But man, that, that is not what they have there. Uh, you know, there's just this. You know, they talk about the culture of death, and it sounds I don't know, a a little catchphrasey and b a little dark. I would say, uh, but it really, it's hard to not see it creeping. Mm-hmm. You know, we certainly have people who are who seem to dedicate their li- life for the ability to kill children. Uh, in the womb, um, you know, uh, we have uh, people who are, if you're old, if you're young, if you're having severe medical treatment, all these things are now acceptable uh, to to end a life. You know, I, my dad passed away a few years ago, and when we were uh, in, in the hospital, you know, he, there was basically no hope, uh, you know, that he was going to recover. But, you know, you still try everything. You, know, you, you just, I don't mm-hmm. you know, you have to. look, mm-hmm. you just give it a whirl, and you try as much as you can. And when it came to that point where uh, there was no nothing left to try, uh, you know, you're perhaps faced with those difficult decisions. Um, and I remember the doctor phrasing something in a really weird way, which was just they, they said something like, look, you know, we've tried this and it didn't work. And so and just so you know, we can't I can't remember how they phrased it. it was like basically just so you know, we can't just kill him. Like, as if everybody had come in in the last few weeks and asked him, can you just, I don't know, inject him with something? <laughs> like, I, I swear, like, that was his perspective. Really? Oh, man. As if I was going to say, ah, oh, really? You can't? Darn it. That's inconvenient I, I, for me. That's really inconvenient. I've got to be here a few more hours now. Uh, that was not how I felt. I was going to play tennis. Uh, <laughs> that was absolutely not how I felt uh, that night. It was the exact opposite. Because uh, I wanted to know, hey, What's the next crazy? I want you to go three steps beyond what you think is sane. Yeah. You know, if, you, if after that it still doesn't work, all right, fine. Uh, but it, there, his perspective was more like, you know, people are in here all the time telling me, can you just put a pillow over their face? And then, <laughs> I, you know, I can't do that. And that was really the way it was phrased. And it's like, God, are people coming in and doing that? And I think the answer to that is yes. I think, I think doctors are actually getting pressure from that side pretty often. Where people just want, you know what, uh, it's been an hour, uh, he's still got the cold, can we, uh, can we end this thing right when now? For me, it's like, well, they signed a DNR, which is do not resuscitate. Yep. So? I, I didn't. Resuscitate them. <laughs> they didn't know what they're doing. Yeah, they're stupid. Resuscitate. <laughs> so? It's true. <laughs> I I, mean, you don't want your parents to die. No, and, and even when they do, and they're, you know, they've lived a long life. Like, my dad was 80 when he died. My mom was 92. And you still don't want them to die. It's like, of course you're going to resuscitate. What do you mean DNR? No. Uh -uh. (laughs) Uh-uh. No, she didn't know what she was saying. Right. They made a lot of decisions on my behalf over the years. I'm going to make one for them. No. Right. No. (laughs) It's not apparently how it works. Uh, But, yeah, I mean, at least if you have a, a very direct thing like that, 
um, it makes it a little bit easier because they're, you know, at least requesting it. Again, like, you know, yeah. the euthanasia thing is troubling in many ways. The fact that someone who's sick or in great pain can end their life. You're making a final decision in a moment of incredible stress. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, it's disturbing to me in a lot of ways, but more justifiable in the sense of at least there's a person making a decision. Like, I, I, it's a low standard to clear. Here mm-hmm. with Charlie Gard, there's no the, the kid's not like uh, you know what I really just I don't like to travel. I'm not much of a flyer, so I don't really want to go to the United States. If I could just die here, that would be great. That's not what's happening. I mean, th- no. this is this one is so clear cut. I think. I mean, the parents desperately want their baby to live, and it's they who have to take care of the baby mm-hmm. with all of the baby's problems afterward, and they're willing to do all that. Yeah. They they love him enough. To want him to continue life with them. It's really a heroic story. It is. um, In many ways. And the dad seems super passionate. I haven't seen much of the mom, but but the dad's, you know, he wells up. He cries every time he talks about him and and talks about how he'd do anything for him. And it just seemed like loving parents. Let them do what they can for him. I I really don't understand. And so it's all about control, I think. It's all about control of the state. And the state... Uh, having the final say in everything, and the state being the parents to um, British children. And, and that's, you know, we, we always hear that, well, every other industrialized nation in the world provides government health care for their, for their citizens. Yeah, well, here's, here's the result of that. Mm-hmm. Here it is. Uh, I don't want that. I don't want that because that's not very civilized. I, I don't care if they're uh, supposedly industrialized. That's pretty backward to just allow a 10-month-old baby, just unplug him and kill him. It's, it's awful. It's in, inhuman, honestly. I think a lot of what happens here is that the, there's a generalized debate that occurs over these t- sorts of stories, which is, I don't know, should, should we have medical treatment or should we just uh, you know, let, the, let them die? Like, we've gone, we've done all these things and there's no more to do. And people go into their own categories because that debate has already kind of been mapped out. Everyone knows where they stand on it in these controversial mm-hmm. issues. This isn't one of them. Right. This is one where they are saying death is certain. The, the parents are saying, well, let's at least try something. Oh, well, what, you're going to have them pay for it. Well, they have the money. Well, who's going to do it? No doctor's going to do that. They have a doctor that will do it. Uh, well, but, but, but it could make them, they could get worse. You've already said they're going to die. <laughs> yeah. There's just nothing you here. You can't get worse than dead. Yeah, dead is dead. Uh, I mean, I'm reminded uh, on the feed that uh, England has never had much respect for life. Uh, otherwise, the following would have never been written. We hold these truths to be self-evident, mm-hmm. that all men are created equal, mm-hmm. and that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among them these are life. Mm-hmm. Liberty and the pursuit of happiness. Yeah, so, you're right. The country doesn't exist right. if, if England yeah. respected life. You'd think they'd come yeah. around though in the last yeah. kind of, you know couple hundred years. It would be nice. Well, that, I mean, that's what makes the United States. You talk about us. We do anything we can, right? I mean, mm-hmm. that's why we've pushed so much of medicine, medicine beyond what we thought because we said no. Do what you can. Yeah, I, I always do get, anything. Uh, le- the left uh, has will make. It's not just the left. A lot of people will make the arguments like, you know, we spend most of the money on health care in the last couple of weeks of life when there's basically no chance, and we could say, solve all these problems if we just stopped doing that. You know, I, I've talked to. Uh, I, t- I remember talking to a guy several years ago who was an anesthesiologist, uh, really smart guy, and you know, generally right. 
uh, conservative leaning. Like, I don't know how, like, in this era of Trump, I don't know what that means. Like, I, I haven't talked to him in several years. But he, this was the point he made. We were talking about health care uh, at dinner, and it was, I mean, you know, if you ever want to go out to dinner with me, what an exciting one it is. Uh, we're talking about health care policy. Oh, still. Make that happen. Well, there's appetizers, there's healthcare policy talk, then there's a dinner, right? You guys do mm -hmm. that, right? Mm -hmm. um, so, uh, and, and, and my point was like, you can't just let people, these are individuals. And his point, even though he considered himself a Republican, uh, was basically like, look, I'm in these rooms. You know, I, I, I'm in these rooms. I'm, yeah. They just waste so much money on yeah. these people who are basically dead anyway. And we just need to stop doing that. And we just stop doing that, and everyone can have healthcare. And I, it, mm. it's tempting, but I think it's honestly a, 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 uh, a sign of an incredibly uh, wonderful society that we are willing to try to keep people alive because we value every second of that life. Yeah. Um, it is a, it's, a, it's a signal that is really positive. Um, and, you know, we can't lose that. And it really does feel like we are starting to, at the state level here, certainly, I think, uh, certainly in other countries, humanity itself is losing that. And it's, not, it's a terrible turn. Yeah. 888-727-BECK. More patents, too, is inevitable. Well, they signed the DMI. So? So, <laughs> so I unsigned it. <laughs> Triple eight seven two seven Beck. It is Pat and Stu. Uh, this is some fun stuff. I think so. Uh, I, this is fun. I um, I'm fascinated with. Uh, I, I'm a big uh, documentary guy. First of all, mm -hmm. uh, I like watching them. Uh, I like watching sports documentaries. I like the thirty for thirties on ESPN. Let me ESPN. ask you. So this is a thirty for thirty on ESPN, so, right? So they, well, it's a new thing they just started. It's called thirty for thirty podcasts. So okay. now you're getting basically documentaries on but the sports. But it's an ESPN. It's an ESPN product. Uh, yeah. Um, and but it's only audio, so no no pictures. So they did. They they just launched this, and uh, you know. ESPN does a good job with these things. They're <coughs> oh, interesting and in super quality. Yeah, it it's just that ESPN bends over backwards to be as politically correct as possible. It is amazing that they go to these lengths. It's incredible. Because, you know, the average sports fan, I think, is center right. For sure. There's no you question know, it's not about a that. hardcore left-wing There have been studies audience. done on that. Yeah. I mean, it's not a hardcore right-wing audience either. But no, it's but a, they're not leftists yeah. like, like yeah. the commentary on ESPN always is yeah. from these sports guys. Over. Whatever they venture into, anything resembling politics, it's always left-leaning. Yeah, overwhelmingly so. Yeah. Uh, you know, so... Uh, but, I, you know, I still like their stuff, and I, I like what they do. I, and so the first audio podcast they did was this thing called uh, The Trials of Dan and Dave. And if you remember the Dan and Dave thing from the 90s, it really was a huge deal. Uh, in 1992... It was uh, Dan O'Brien... And uh, I, neither one of them breathed as hard as <laughs> Jeffy is breathing. The end of a decathlon. At the end of the right. decathlon. Okay, so Danny Dave were in the decathlon. And so Reebok... Um, Sorry, I actually, and I apologize because I was laughing. I just read what you read earlier. And uh -huh. I was laughing. 
No worries, no worries. <laughs> That's okay. I know what you were talking about then. Mm. So, okay. <laughs> Got it. Now I understand. Mm. Off-air joke, you're never going to get it. Sorry. Okay, so uh, Dan and Dave are going. Uh, so Reebok at the time is, a, is, is not even really a legitimate competitor to Nike. They don't really have a big national brand. So they decide to try something crazy. They get with their ad uh, agency, pick two completely unknown guys uh, at least unknown to the public. They were very good at the decathlon. Um, one was the... And they were, they were both world-class at yeah, the one decathletes. Was the one was a, like, had just won the world championships. The other yeah. one had just won uh, the Goodwill Games or something at the decathlon. Mm -hmm. And they were both expected to do very well in the Olympics, maybe win the gold, probably win the gold. The way it was presented is one of them was winning the gold. That's the way it was presented. Um, and, so, you know, if you, the story goes that basically they started this thing. Is it, you know, who's the greatest athlete in the world, Dan or Dave? You'll decide in Barcelona. And they did these things where, like, Dan and Dave, Dan was like this kind of husky white guy. Uh, Dave was an uh, African-American guy, kind of more slender. But they were both really good and kind of went at this event uh, in different ways. Uh, so uh, they go through the entire story. It's really it's a fascinating thing to listen to. Um, but for our perspective, I want to focus on one part. You're talking decathlon. You're talking Olympics. Who are you talking about? Bruce Jenner. Right? Well, the greatest American decathlete of all time. Of all time. Of course, Bruce Jenner is going to come up. So here's a couple times where they're talking about Bruce Jenner. The first one is Dan O'Brien. Listen. I remember eating lunch with Bruce Jenner, and Bruce kept telling me, only thing people are going to remember is the Olympic Games. And I thought to myself, man, this guy's crazy. He doesn't know what he's talking about. He didn't have world championships when he was a competing athlete. I get to compete at world championships every two years. But it wasn't until later that I realized, man, Bruce was right. Bruce was right. right? Okay. Because yeah. who was he speaking with at the time? Bruce Jenner. Bruce Jenner. What did Bruce Jenner call Bruce Jenner? Bruce Jenner. Bruce Jenner, right? Mm -hmm. That was, you know, the name, Bruce Jenner. That uh, was the guy mm -hmm. who won the gold medal. Right. That is, it. that is what the gold medal, that's what the results say. Yeah. Right? Bruce yeah. Jenner in 1976 was Bruce Jenner. When they had this conversation, his name was Bruce Jenner. <laughs> His name was Bruce Jenner, uh -huh. right? Yeah. Here's uh, Jackie Joyner-Kersey, another um, you know, amazing Olympic athlete, talking about this as well. Watch. Well, it's interesting. Jackie Joyner-Kersey made the comment that I could be the next Bruce Jenner. <gasps> and that was what I was striving to do you know, most of my career. He, he was the hero that we all needed in 1976, and he was the golden boy. And Dan was that very uh, explosive athlete. I mean, he was just this young kid, very raw, you know, very talkative, and he had a personality that could pull people to him. So, again, mm -hmm. Bruce Jenner, yes. right? It's Bruce Jenner. Mm -hmm. This is the very beginning of the podcast. This is almost the first thing they say in the podcast. This is a story about <laughs> two Olympic athletes, not Bruce Jenner, two Olympic athletes. Here's how the podcast actually begins. It's the story of a 1992 Reebok ad campaign 25 years ago this summer, unlike anything anyone had seen before. Reebok spent some $25 million on the campaign, featuring two top decathletes, a sum equal to their entire previous year's marketing budget. Those who remember the story remember it as a bust, but there are many more twists and turns along the way for Reebok, the two athletes, and the sport of track and field. Interesting. One note, this episode features references to legendary decathlete Caitlyn Jenner. 
Jenner prefers to be referred to as Bruce in regards to her decathlon career. And a heads up, this episode includes mature language. So they go now. What the, the trials hell? Of Dan and Dave. Why decathlete Caitlyn Jenner? There was no decathlete named Caitlyn Jenner. And it says Bruce. Caitlyn Jenner prefers to be referred to as Bruce when talking about the decathlon. So why would you need so to? So why would you point this out? Wow, that is. I mean, so hypersensitive it's... about offending three people in the country. Yeah. That. I, I, and why should that offend anybody? Bruce Jenner was Bruce Jenner in 1976. <laughs> yes, it's factual. And like, he was a man in 1976. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, that is just ludicrous. What a, well, I mean, the standard ESPN hmm. is insinuating there is that if Caitlin said, I, wanted to, I want you to refer to me in 1976 when you're talking about my 1976 win as Caitlin Jenner, they would have done it. Oh, oh, absolutely and, they would have done it. And that would be the absolutely right thing to do. they would have done it. I mean, that's insanity. They, and then people that, will look up, hey, I'm going to look up Caitlyn Jenner because I don't know that story. And you won't find Caitlyn Jenner. You won't Jenner find it because it didn't happen. In the Olympics. Because Caitlyn Jenner was never in the Olympics. No. So. Bruce Jenner was in the Olympics. And, and it's like, <laughs> we are on, now man. supposed to put so ridiculous. political correctness above science, above, above reality, history. above history, above everything. Above everything. You're right. Science, history, I mean, all of it yeah. falls behind what, we, you know, this, this idea that we're supposed to, I guess, make our, and it's really not even about making Caitlyn Jenner feel good or the, even the three people. It's about us feeling good about ourselves. We're doing something yeah, to help this Because all. Bruce Jenner wouldn't, or, or Caitlyn wouldn't have been offended that, that Dan and Dave both referred to Caitlyn as him and Bruce in 1976 because that's what he was mm-hmm. in 1976. Like, if you're going to go back... And, and th- she even knows that. Yeah. I mean, even think of simple name changes. If you once said, say, the early career of Lou Alcindor, the, re- uh, the, er- uh, the early career of Cassius Clay, he was, uh, that was his name at the time. Mm-hmm. Yes, he changed it. If you want to talk about it after he changed his name... And he got pissed name. when you called him Cassius, when he changed to Muhammad Ali. Yeah. But that's after. But that's after. And I- I'm sorry, when, when, he, was, when right. he was in the Olympics, his name was Cassius Clay. Mm-hmm. And if you're talking about the Olympics, you'd say, hey, Cassius Clay won this medal. Right. You wouldn't say Muhammad Ali won it. If you did say that, you could, I mean, it's not the biggest deal in the world. No. Either way. And it's you not get because it's the it. same person and it's still a man. <laughs> right. Still the same guy. Yeah. To, to uh, act as wow. if you're supposed to retroactively. Now, I mean, let's be honest about it. If you call, Kate, if you call uh, him Caitlyn Jenner in 1976, he shouldn't have been in the event. I mean, in mm-hmm. reality, if that's your standard, you should probably take the gold medal away from him. He was a woman competing in the male sport. If yep. you want to go, you want to follow this all the way down to the end, you have to pull that medal out of, away. He was not the gold medal winner because he was not a he. You want to call him Caitlyn Jenner in 1976? He is not a gold medal winner. Bruce Jenner won the medal. The, the world is bad crap crazy. It's insane. And there's more of it coming up in a second. We should talk about this story with Andrew Clavin when he comes in. Andrew Clavin's going to yeah. be coming in uh, in just a little bit. I'd like to hear his take Oof. on that audio. Because I just I don't understand where we're going with this.
Pat and Stu, Triple Eight Seven Two Seven Beck. You know about what's it been, Stu? Two years uh, that I saw that article on salt because I and I brought it up because my wife is out. Thank you, Pat. Why did you use all that salt? Why did you gonna kill yourself using all that salt? And there, the study came out that salt does nothing to you. Yep. Nothing. It doesn't raise your blood pressure. It doesn't cause heart attacks. It doesn't. It's it's not harmful to you. Mm-hmm. Well, no, that study is wrong. Uh, and so in June last year, the, the FDA still issued proposed guidelines to the food industry to reduce the amount of sodium in prepared foods. Mm-hmm. Uh, the HC noting the uh, that America, the average American eats about 3,400 milligrams of sodium a day. That that is a lot. That seems it's like really a lot, not because right? uh, it, uh, the, the, basically the amount of sodium in one teaspoon of salt. Oh, is that all that is? One teaspoon. Wow! And they wanted to they wanted to cut back to twenty three hundred milligrams. Right. So eleven hundred milligrams. So like maybe a th- two thirds of a teaspoon. Yeah, they would cut um, it back by a third, basically. So here's the problem: evidence continues to be gathered, and it has been being gathered for years that governments. Uh, salt consumption guidelines might well kill more people than they save. Is that a problem? No, is there, you're saying that's a problem. Only you... if you want less people to die. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, I don't know if the government's on that bandwagon <laughs> at this point. Uh... <laughs> the uh, research does suggest that some subset of Americans may be sensitive to salt uh, and would benefit from consuming less. Among these folks are with ancestors from sub-Saharan Africa, which I don't have. So the salt intake is not an issue for me. Mm -hmm. But for most people, the risk lies elsewhere. Um, So apparently there have been more than two dozen relevant studies published by the American Journal of Hypertension and concluded that risk of death appeared to be lowest among individuals consuming between 2,565 milligrams and 4,796 milligrams. Yeah, which is considerably more than the average American uh, eats, and that's the best range. Now, the interesting part about that is they found higher death rates with lower salt intakes. Yeah, when you go lower than 2,565, right? Yeah, uh, yeah I think it was, yeah, 2,565. Yeah. Um, and, and so the rates went up. So obviously the indication there is not that more salt is killing people. The other side of it is they did ha- find higher um, uh, death rates uh, than – so the middle, the middle ground was the best place to live as far as uh, death rates went. What a weird thing that um, moderation – Moderation in would, all would things, be good. right? Yeah. Hmm. Now, if you will go extreme and have tons of salt, the, the rate does increase. However, you have to take into account what that person is doing which is likely eating a lot more food than they're supposed to be eating. It's not like they're eating you know, broccoli and then dumping so much salt on it uh, uh, that, uh, that they wind up dying. It's that they're eating lots of food that is heavy in salt, which might be fast food, which might be you know, all mm-hmm. sorts of uh, crazy snacks and everything else. A lot of frozen foods. A lot I mean, of frozen, they're, they're... Yeah, frozen foods very high in sodium at times. But the point is, if you go crazy and you eat lots of anything, you're going to get more salt and go over these limits. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that does uh, do harm. But no, it's worse or at least as bad to cut salt out of your diet, at least as far as these studies go. Um, th- the best science indicates basically there's not really much of an impact either way. Um, there are other factors that wind you up. You just eat a normal amount of salt. Yeah. You know, you put salt everything on your corn on the cob, perhaps. You... I mean, everything in moderation. That's, yeah. a, that's I've lived my life. A little yeah, salt on your steak. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, pretty much I don't add salt to anything but, you know, like corn on the cob. Mm-hmm. 
and we don't have it that much. This is kind of like your vegetarian thing. Where you're going to start serious. Like serious. I thought this is more real than my vegetarian thing. <laughs> and steak. I don't do it on roast. I don't do it on any other kind of meat. It's just steak. Popcorn or chips? No, I don't. I almost never eat popcorn. I don't like it that much. No. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I will add salt on on things. Uh, you know, I don't dump it on. Um, but that's not because I'm afraid of the health consequence. It's because I just you know salt after a while. You don't. It's too much. Like mm-hmm. I don't. The, you know. Mm-hmm. Somehow our bodies. Uh, are designed in a way to, uh, to to like about the right amount of salt. Isn't that weird? It is Isn't weird. that weird how that yeah. happens? Yeah. Uh, right about the right amount of salt is kind of what we like. Amazing. Um, and I, I wish that it factored in on every single uh, food-related uh, topic. Because uh, that's, it's why, not, that's what I was saying. Moderation, too. You're kind of the spokesperson <laughs> for moderation. Moderation, that's what I was saying. I mean, you are. I I'd go as so the... far as to say you are moderation. Thank you. Jeff. If you go to moderation.com, Thank it just you. redirects to Jeffy's Facebook page. <laughs> that's my understanding of how. All right, more patents to it coming up in a minute. <laughs> and the Jeffy segment. Oh, gosh. Where he that's is still... moderation. So it'll be a moderate segment <laughs> with moderate stories. You're done in a, a heavy moderate way. Unfortunately, of Jeffy. <laughs> Jeffy found and felt like sharing with us so we don't have to talk anymore. Oh, jeez. All right, man. Whatever. I mean, really? Hello. Really? Do we have to do this? <laughs> Our bikes are on again. Oh. Okay. Hi, Jeffy. Hey, I'm right. I mean, <laughs> yeah, we, my, we didn't realize that my mics were on. I just want to say uh, congratulations uh, to David, uh, David and his new wife. Mm-hmm. Uh, they went on their honeymoon. David who? To uh, Grenada. <laughs> David who? Uh, David uh, Mark Arelli. Mark Arelli. Mark David Arelli. Mark Arelli. Yes, Mark Arelli. <laughs> okay. yes, capital sure. A in there. M A R C. Mm-hmm. Capital A U R L E L E. There we go. David Mark Arelli. He and his new wife uh-huh. uh, went on their honeymoon after getting married. Congratulations. They're having fun. And they sent me a picture. <laughs> this is great. They sent me a picture. It was so nice <laughs> oh, of them okay. to send me a picture on Twitter that they're in Grenada. And they were thanking me for liberating it for them. And I just wanted to say, you know, look. Got to the Island of Spice to celebrate our honeymoon today. Thank you for liberating it. Liberating it. Uh, that's really funny. Know, look, that's great. I just, look, that's great. You didn't I just want to say that, you know, obviously I didn't do it alone. No. But yeah, well, that's true. You're welcome. You're welcome. And I, congratulations. I hope you enjoy your honeymoon. Look. Whatever I can do, you know me. You know me. I, I, when we, when you, there, we didn't think about, you know, new couples coming for their honeymoon years right. later, but. Right. You, you, you man, were thinking freedom, right? I mean, you're just thinking. Uh, I was thinking uh, Western Hemisphere uh, yeah. freed from communism. Yeah, exactly. We were thinking. Exactly. Is that what you were thinking? That's what we were thinking. Is it? So. Uh, <laughs> Unbelievable. I just love the idea. I do, too. That, that, not That's only awesome. does, does he send it to Jeffy, but he gets his wife to actually pose for the photo. Welcome to Grenada. To thank Jeffy for liberating the island. That he had nothing to do with liberating. <laughs> Interesting Wait. place to go on a honeymoon. I've never heard of anybody going to Grenada. Well, it's beautiful. Actually, it's beautiful it's now. It's nice. Yeah, it's yeah, really nice. It's beautiful now. Yeah, it's a, it's <laughs> beautiful a tropical now. island. Right. I mean, at the time, it was an ugly know, place to be. In 1983, right? I noticed you didn't uh, put up the tweet that I, I saw after 18 this. 18 minutes of hell. From uh, someone who was actually in the military who said, I was there that day. It looks a lot nicer than when I was there. 
I mean, what did I just get done saying, yeah, Stu? See, now. It's, it's, it looks beautiful now. The phrase, stolen valor. That's what they call it. Stolen valor. I want you to know that and learn that. Why would it, why would it be stolen? I don't understand. Do you want to keep going down this road? Because uh, <laughs> it's just helping me build my case. <laughs> what case is that, Stu? Yeah, what know. case is that? That you're a fraud. That you're a fraud. Uh, but <laughs> and you terrible. got anything else? <laughs> terrible human being. Do you, do, do you have anything yes. else? Do you have this, we want to do this robot burger joint video, too. Do you have that? Uh, I don't. We could do this? that. That's why I figured that we would save that, because she had that on another segment, I thought. Okay. Uh, for, for us, which well, is great. Well, if you great. have more, do it. But I wanted to uh, also give a Colin Kaepernick update. Oh, yeah. Uh, Colin, I like, you know, we like to let you know what he's up to. Uh, he's still unsigned. Yes. Uh, mm -hmm. In the NFL. Not a lot of prospects. Uh, which is why, uh, you know, he's not, uh, he's not really busy. Mm -hmm. Able to travel, which is why he sent out his uh, Instagram and Twitter account over the 4th of July. Hey, how can we truly celebrate independence on a day that uh, intentionally... Uh, robbed our ancestors of theirs uh, to find my independence. I went home. Uh, he went back to Ghana. He was born in Ghana? Uh, apparently that's where his ancestors are, yeah. Oh, his ancestors. Uh, look, he wrote in a, an extended post uh, in a quest to find his personal independence. Uh, had to find out where my ancestors came from, and I set out tracing my African ancestral roots. That led me to Ghana. And, uh, on a day that intentionally, go back to that if you would. <laughs> I, I, I have to read that. On a day that intentionally, intentionally robbed, robbed our ancestors of theirs. Uh, <sighs> <laughs> now, I will say this. Look, oh. if Colin's intention, and good for him, if he wants to find his family, his ancestral roots and, and where, you know, where he came from and his bloodline and all that, good for you, Colin. I just can't stand it. But I will say totally that uh, commenting like it. that I can't take mm -hmm. may lead to being unemployed in the people, NFL. you know, like Blaine Gabbert uh, signing a deal mm. before you. Yes. <laughs> and every other unemployment, unemployed quarterback who, frankly, many of them not as talented as that guy. Right. But, and let's be clear. Nobody he wants lost, anything to do with him because he's a pariah now. He lost his job with, to, to Blaine Gabbert before he did anything on this road. Mm. Let's, let's, True. let's remember True. that. Right. Uh, but beyond that, like, he's made his choice. Right, like the, yeah. the choice is: Are you going to dedicate yourself to football, or are you going to dedicate yourself to being some crazy activist? And he's decided he's going to be an activist. Yeah, to be an activist. Good for good him. For you. Good riddance. Uh, good for any NFL team but that doesn't have to crying be crying about Maybe not having a job in the NFL. And, and look into what how slavery started, because it didn't start here. It, it okay, did, they never. And had it in didn't Ghana, start though, with right? white people. They never had it in Ghana. Right? Yeah, they did. Yeah. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. Wow. Mm -hmm. But wait a minute. Yeah. I thought we stole their independence. No. No. Mm -hmm. Welcome back. 888-727. Beck is our phone number. Uh, very excited. So welcome to the program, Andrew Clavin. We, we have Andrew? Uh-oh. Uh-oh. No mic? My, Jeffy? Jeffy, you want to see if his mic's on? Jeffy ate his microphone. That was a problem. Sometimes it's not turned this up in the... the uh, uh, this is the sound. This is the sound. No, I think he's on now. No. Yeah, he's on. No? 
Yeah. Right. Andrew, Unless, welcome to the program. <laughs> <laughs> still here. Okay. The, the big uh, welcome did not go well, but uh, we, tr we tried it. We tried a big introduction. It's kind of a letdown. I'm yeah. Yeah. Sorry about that. <laughs> now I'm sort of depressed, but I don't know. Uh, I, I'm not sure he's on no, that still. That was your microphone. Oh, why don't you give him your microphone and maybe we can make that work? Good golly. This is, uh, this is well, our budget uh, for the entire year is $9. Yeah, so, and we already uh, spent it, so there's no, no room for another microphone. Yeah. Right. You Just know, they cost over eight fifty. Clip that on. Just yeah. don't walk too Some far of, away because I'm going to be pulled off. Oh, right. <laughs> can you now hear me? Uh, yes, yeah, we can. Right. Let's try this now surprisingly. Now right. Right. We're really excited uh, to bring on the show Andrew Clayman. Yeah. 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 Hey. 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 Great to see you. Thanks so much for coming on. Yeah, we're, we're so glad you're in town. It's and, a pleasure. Uh, you know, we're, uh, we were talking a little bit about just the media in general, and I know you've done some great stuff on this. Let me start you here with, uh, with ESPN, though. Okay. You know, we're big sports fans. Uh, you know, ESPN, it's part of my childhood. It's been part of my entire life watching. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm basically obsessed with sports. I just can't take the constant political correctness that comes out of this in a realm where I don't want it. Right. I want to escape. I mean, how hard is it to tell me the score <laughs> and what the guy, you know, the, the, inter, the sports interview is, it's a team sport, you know, I take it one day at a time. <laughs> it's the same interview every time. <laughs> how hard is it to stick to that script and not tell me, you know, the title line is the greatest thing ever. It's, it's, yeah. it's, oh, know, I actually canceled my subscription to Sports Illustrated because I was so tired of them telling me that God didn't care who won the Super Bowl. You know, it's like, uh, like how do yeah. they know? Maybe God has money on the Super Bowl. <laughs> 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 right? Right? And when did Sports Illustrated become? you know the center of theology in America uh, it is amazing because you really see it all the time I and, mean, and what title was a, a great example of that title nine mm. and its resulting nonsense because uh, they bent over backward to in this uh, John McEnroe scandal in the last couple of weeks mm. to make it seem as though he said something horrifically terrible and shocking to everybody that a woman, the, the highest ranked woman in the world, would only be 700th on the men's tour. I mean, I'm not even sure she'd be 700th. She says the same thing. She yeah, said she about did. a few years ago, she said the exact same she thing. That she would never be able to beat Andy Murray. But it, you know what? It's, it's just plain to see. It's not even a controversy. But mm -hmm. now they make it like he's supposed to, it's like a show trial, a Stalin show trial. He's supposed to show up and apologize. It's, it's really, really strange because the whole point of women's tennis, the reason women's tennis is one of the only popular female sports is because it's different than men's tennis. Mm -hmm. There's not as much power. It's mm -hmm. more strategy. It's right. a little slower. You can longer watch rallies. It, longer rallies. Yeah. That's what makes it so interesting. Yeah, and I, the short skirts. I do actually hurt. find it for both of those reasons preferable to watch because, yeah. it, you know, Immense tennis winds up being guys who hit the ball 145 miles That's an hour on serves, and there's just not a lot happening. Where, yeah. you know, women's tennis, there's back and forth. It's actually a really interesting uh, part of the sport, though it is the same sport. Let's be honest. They put them all together. It is the same sport. They play it differently. But the bottom line is if Serena played in men's tennis, I don't think she would be 700th. I think she probably would lose to the 700th best player in the, in the world. It's very, very, very possible. That, that power, that power just overwhelms everything. It's one yeah. of the reasons that men's tennis can get very boring. Yeah, it really yeah. can. Um, so uh, we were talking a little about this uh, Caitlyn Jenner thing as it relates to ESPN. They okay. did a 30 for 30 podcast. And the 30 for 30 podcast was about the Dan and Dave ad campaign that they ran in the 90s. I don't know if you remember this, but it was a big deal at the time. These two competing decathletes and they ran the ads constantly. Okay. So it's an interesting story. If you want to go back and listen to it at some point, it's worth it. However, they started with this disclaimer at the beginning of it because we're talking to Decathlon. Of course, Bruce Jenner is going to come up. This is the actual disclaimer they get at the beginning of this podcast. Listen. 
It's the story of a 1992 Reebok ad campaign 25 years ago this summer, unlike anything anyone had seen before. Reebok spent some $25 million on the campaign, featuring two top decathletes, a sum equal to their entire previous year's marketing budget. Those who remember the story remember it as a bust, but there are many more twists and turns along the way for Reebok, the two athletes, and the sport of track and field. One note, this episode features references to legendary decathlete Caitlyn Jenner. Jenner prefers to be referred to as Bruce in regards to her decathlon career. And a heads up, this episode includes mature language. And now, the trials of Dan and Dave. Yeah, the there, language there was no legendary yeah. decathlete named Caitlyn Jenner. Uh, so that's how politically correct they get. They're trying to rewrite history, even though Caitlyn herself prefers to be referred to as Bruce when she was a he. I mean... I, it's, it's impossible. Like they actually How do you live in this to world? deny history and say the person <laughs> who, they want to say a woman won the men's decathlon in 1976. Well, you're being kind when you say they want to deny history. They want to deny all reality. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, all reality is going to bend to their will. I mean, this is what political correctness is. Political correctness is the theory that if you lie, reality mm. will shape itself mm. around your lie. And what? And you know, to be honest with you, it really is kind of a problem because when they start to say, when the Olympic Committee starts to say that a transgender male can compete against females, these women who spend their lives training and working to win suddenly are really up against the man. Yeah, and let's, I think that be, might be the breaking point for this bull yeah. crap. I, I, I think <laughs> when, when, they, when, when uh, men start saying, I identify as woman, and they get into women's sports and they start beating these women, the women are going to get pissed and they're going to rise up and maybe put a stop to it. And maybe it's only women who can put a stop to this. Because uh, they, they have their own... Beef. Their own yeah. special interest group yeah. Yeah. that's pretty powerful. It is amazing. So let's, let's bring this to the media more generally because uh, there's this, the term fake news. You have a great uh, uh, Prager University video yeah. uh, about fake news. And it's interesting the way that term has kind of developed in a really short amount of time. I mean, it came out of initially seemingly to describe sort of like Internet hoaxes. It had nothing to do with politics at all, kind of initially when people started saying fake news. And then it was kind of tied, the left tried to use it to, to blame Trump's victory on people fooling them on Facebook, uh, which was a ridiculous way to do it. You kind of broaden it, and, and because political correctness is not just a thing that you can apply to a Caitlyn Jenner story or to uh, you know a Serena Williams story. It's just, it really is the media as a whole um, looking at these stories from a completely different perspective from the truth. They're biased. That's right. And that, that really fuels all their coverage. Well, the bias is so bad that all the news is essentially fake. And, you know, they, this is, the delight about this is fake news was kind of a term, as you say, that the left was throwing at places like Breitbart, the Trump right. places. Yeah. And it kind of was like a cigar that blew up in their faces. They were puffing <laughs> away really and suddenly, is. boom, yeah. you know. And I think the problem is, look, for 16 years during the George W. Bush administration and during the Obama administration, that small swath of America that fits between New York and L.A., you know, like all of it, you <laughs> know, a was, bit was just consistently derided and disrespected. The Tea Party was absolutely dismissed. They were called names. They're 
perfectly peaceful and honorable protests against the government spending were depicted as racist. Mm -hmm. and, and this went on and on. And, and Barack Obama went for eight years. He corrupted the Justice Department. He corrupted the IRS. He had scandal after scandal that they never covered. And then at the end, there's a wonderful clip you can find of every single network going, the remarkable thing about Obama is that he was scandal free. Yeah. You know, and it's like, yeah, he's scandal. I couldn't see the scandal. You know, I have my hands <laughs> over my face. So, so this basically has been saying to most of America that your opinions are hateful. There's our opinions, our progressive, beautiful, mm -hmm. you know, futuristic opinions, and then there's your backlash against our brilliant tomorrow, and you're hateful. And this went on and on and on. And then finally, Trump got elected, and the press went nuts. And so now they've gotten so excited trying to get him that it really is fake news. The Russia collusion story mm -hmm. is fake news. They're just lying all the time. Mm -hmm. Jim Acosta just, I now call it the CNN two-step. The first step is you put your foot in your mouth. And the <laughs> second step is you shoot yourself in the foot. You know, and blow your head off. You know? and Jim Acosta today, was, Trump was in Poland and he said, pointed out that they keep saying that seven, all 17 intelligence agencies signed off on this Russia interference thing. And it's just not true. And the New York Times and AP retracted it. Yeah, last week, right? And, right. Yeah. And Donald Trump pointed this out. And Jim Acosta says, well, there's fake news. Mm. You know, where did he get that number that it was only three agencies? Well, he got it from the New York Times. Yeah. The Associated <laughs> Press. So they just keep blowing themselves up wow. because they hate him so much. And the thing is, you know, this thing with Trump and his mean tweets against the press, this is not a bug, it's a feature. I mean, this is one of the reasons people sent Donald Trump to Washington, D.C., was to just kick back against these people that they have no voice against. They're too powerful. Their voices are too broad, and they I, just want to strike back. I think if Republicans in general could be just a tad more competent, yeah. there, there's a real opportunity here in that Trump is able, unlike anybody ever, to completely derail the media coverage by 100, in 140 characters. Right. So he can tweet out a, 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 a picture, and you might say, is this the right thing for the president to be doing? Uh, I, I, those criticisms, I think, are legitimate. However, it distracts the media so much, you could pass anything in Congress. You could pass, you could pass a flat tax of 1% if, they, if he tweeted at the right moment. Like, I really, they should start using this as a strategy <laughs> to just throw people off the line of policy. I, I, I don't know if that's their goal, but man, it would be great if it was. Well, it, it is. I agree with you that, it, that it's disturbing to watch the presidency kind of devolve to this, into this mud fight. But at the same time, when you have Mika Brzezinski and Joe Scarborough week after week calling this man a goon, a thug, mentally ill, an <laughs> ass, they called him all those things. And finally, he says, you know, shut up. And then they go, what? You know, yeah, <laughs> like, like presidential is a word that now the news media use uses to mean you can't strike back at us. And I thought it was a perfectly legitimate hit. They, they've been lying about him for six months. Um, there was a uh, there was another example of this type of behavior with uh, Trump, who's doing this big kind of global tour right now and the G20 and all of this. He talked about North Korea and China and how the trade um, uh, levels had gone up by 40% in the first quarter. I think his, his, his exact phrasing was almost 40%. Right. He gets this fact checked by, I think it was the New York Times, who in the story show that the trade had increased by 37.4%. And he said almost 40%, and they say in the story, we don't know where he got this 40% number. Wow. Wow, I, I haven't mean, seen that. That's amazing. Yeah. You know, because I, I think there is a there are two ways to go in this. I think you can be um, like the left is. They just believe everything they say, 
and uh, they never question any of anything the media you know, actually says. And I think there are some on the right that just take everything that the media says and just throw it out. Right. And while you say, you know, uh, everything in the media is fake news, it's really what you're saying is the perspective. That's is, right. It's not the facts. And, right. and one of the things that's so disturbing is the New York Times has wonderful reporters on it. Yeah. Uh, CBS has some good reporters. A lot of these places have good reporters. But they're being put to use serving uh, what is essentially propaganda. The New York Times has now become a college sophomore left-wing <laughs> paper. I mean, it is so bad, it is so hysterical, so shrill, that you read it and you think like, yeah, they're sending this excellent reporter out into the field, but then when it gets to the editorial level, they're using his material uh, in a, in a very, uh, very skewed, ridiculous way. And I can't blame people for dismissing them, even though I agree there's, there's a hazard to mm -hmm. dismissing the facts. You know? It's an interesting thing. In, in a way, it's understandable, too. I mean, here is a group of people that live around people uh, who are all the exact same as them. They're all far to the left. They were all went through the same sort of systems. They all believe the exact same things. Then they are in control of the, of the media. They say all the things they want to say, and they still lose. And I think some of these, especially some of these extreme examples, the Acosta one seems to be a good one from today, might be just a part of them. They can't believe the world they live in. And they're becoming activists even more than they were previously because it's, they think the whole world is slipping away. Yeah. Uh, and in some ways it is. Um, I don't know what it's slipping away to, but it's something else. And it, it's, a, it's not excusable, but do you think that that could be potentially the formulation that's going on with well, them? Well, I, th I think they truly don't know what they don't know. I mean, they are <laughs> so, they're, not only are they in their bubble, but they can't even see beyond, they can't even see the worth of getting out of their bubble. And you know, they have been saying this for years. Every time they're challenged on this, they say, well, you know, I may be a Democrat, and every single person around me may be a Democrat, but a Democrat can be fair. And of course, that's technically true, but a Democrat can be fair when a Republican is standing next to him. Same is true of a Republican, by the way. It's not, it's not that, it's just psychologically, when you're surrounded by people who agree with you, you become biased and you become kind of radicalized yeah. because everybody is confirming everything that you say. And it's just, it happens to everybody. And I think that it is a problem in the whole country now that we're so, uh, it, we're in such niches and cut off from one another that we don't really, just, you know, it's so funny. When I meet leftists and we talk face to face and I don't call them names and I don't attack their heroes and all this stuff, we can have very good conversations. Mm -hmm. You know, we talk about principle and we say, well, yeah, I can agree with you there and I disagree with you here and here's why. But you can't do that when all you ever see is the news from your side. And I think the right has an advantage here because we don't own ABC, CBS, and NBC. They do. We don't own the New York Times, which sets the budget, you know, of most of the small newspapers sure. throughout the country. Mm -hmm. So, and we don't own Hollywood. We don't, their movies, the movies reflect their values, not ours. So we see what they think. We know what they think. And we can reason against it and argue with it in our minds. They never hear what we think. When I talk mm -hmm. to liberals, the first thing I say is, you don't know what I think. You have no idea what my first principles are or what, you know, I know what you think, but you don't know. And it turns out they agree with me by the end of it. We didn't know. We didn't know what you were going to say uh, because they, they make us into cliches. They make us into, uh, you know, uh, jokes, basically. Yeah, that's, that's, it's an mm. amazing, and I think the problem you're talking about does get worse when you talk about social media. You can really get to that point on Facebook where you never see you, the other side, uh, unless it's characterized as like, do you believe what this leftist said or do you believe what this crazy n Nazi conservative said? You will never leave that bubble. 
And I feel like that's a, like an annoying sort of thing to say, like, oh, we're all so polarized and we're all in our own bubbles. But it's really true. Yeah. I mean, I, I, people that I t- deal with on a regular basis who I really consider to be smart people who, you know, they're, we're not talking about, you know, Cletus from The Simpsons here. We're talking about people who really like, you know, I think are really smart and agree with the world. And they don't, they don't even investigate the other side. And I think what makes you strong and principled on the right is understanding what the left wants to do. Right. If you don't understand that bigger picture, you can't possibly get to a real principled position. You know, I, I tell this story, but it's absolutely true that, you know, they give you those news apps you get on an iPad and all this, yeah. and they filter your news according to what you like. And I was reading it one day, and finally it was only turning up articles written by me. I thought, <laughs> I thought I'm now literally talking to myself, you know? And, they, and it would be nice if they would invent an app that would, co- you know, uh, put in stories that disagree with you, that say, well, here's the other side of that. You know, I go to places like realclearpolitics.com, which give you the best op-eds from both sides and all that stuff. But it's hard to do, and you got to work at it, and you have to get over your anger when you read an opinion that you don't like, and you have to kind of calm down and see where the guy is coming from. It's it's, it's work. Speaking of things you've written, um, tell us about your uh, latest book, The the Great Good Thing. Yeah, it's a memoir of my conversion from, I I don't... I hate to call it secular Judaism because there's no such thing really, but I was a secular Jew. I was raised a Jew. I became a complete agnostic for most of my life. I mean, I was close to uh, 50 when I was baptized. So I, it was really, uh, really a long, yeah, it was a really long journey. Well, you know, you live in, in a, an atmosphere, it's like, it's like the fish in the sea. They don't know they're in the sea because mm-hmm. it's everything around them. And that was where I was. I worked in LA, I worked in the movie business. I, I was a novelist. I worked in New York. I lived in London. Everyone around me had the same opinion that if you believed in God, if you believed in God, you were kind of offbeat. If you believed in Christ, you were out of your mind and mm. you, were, you were kind of an mm. idiot. You know, that's, that was yeah. basically the idea. And so it took a long time of just thinking, reasoning. I wasn't looking for it. I wasn't looking for anything. I was just kind of trying to reason out the truth according to all the things I'd read and all the philosophy and literature and everything. And it just kept coming back to this experience. And of course, th- through that, my, my own life, I had a, I've lived two lives. It's a very, it's very weird. I mean, uh, people who know me now are, get sick and tired of how joyful and upbeat I am. But until I was 28, I was out of my mind. Mm. I was like a nut, you know, and like I really cracked up at that point. And there's a dividing line. Mm. And it was only when I, because I was so unhappy, I wouldn't turn to God because it felt like a crutch. And so I thought, like, that would be intellectually dishonest. So I actually had to get happy first. And then I started to think clearly about it. It's actually, I I have to say, when I wrote it down, one of the reasons I wrote it down was to make sure I hadn't made any mistakes, but it turned out to be a really good story. Uh, I I didn't realize my life was actually as good a story as it was. (laughs) As I was writing, I was going, hey, this is pretty good, you know? So so it actually, it's actually kind of an interesting journey. What was the, what was the turning point for you in your faith? Well, you know what, some, some Christians actually get angry about this uh, with me because I didn't have like a road to Damascus moment. There was Mm -hmm. nothing like this beam of light or anything like that. But, but two basic things happened. One was I slowly began to realize that nothing I believed made sense without God. None of the morality, I believe, made sense without God. I, I had grown up surrounded by this idea of relativism, that mm-hmm. you have your morality, I have my morality. And mm-hmm. I slowly realized that just does not make sense. That is not the world as I see it. You know, there are certain things you could do that would be wrong if every single person on earth said it was right. And I thought, like, you can't have that opinion without believing in God. And so I sort of stumbled into prayer. And the prayer changed my life so much that I eventually went to God and said, well, 
how do I thank you? You know, I'm like, you're God, I'm a schmo. You know, yeah. <laughs> what do I do for you? Mm -hmm. And it, I won't say it was a voice, like an actual voice, but it was as clear as day, this idea, now you should be baptized. And my reaction was, are you kidding me? You know, like what, the, I, you know, I'm working in Hollywood. They'll, they'll, cru they'll crucify me, you know, <laughs> my you, you know, it's like, but, and, and you know, my, my family will be upset and my father will disown me and all this stuff. So it, it was a very mm. difficult moment. And I had to go over my entire life and think like, well, why, why that, why me, you know? And that's kind of the story I tell mm. in the book, was that kind of five months of, of just struggling with this idea that seemed to have come out of, literally out of the sky. It's, there's some real value in that type of introspective thinking, too. I mean, you know, Glenn always uses the quote from Thomas Jefferson, question even the very existence of God. Um, mm. And, and you know, there's more to it than that. I, I won't bore the audience with the entire quote, because if they listen to this network, they've heard it 500 <laughs> million times. Uh, but the point is, though, that is a tough thing to question. If you grow up in a certain faith, if you, if you grow up uh, not believing in God at all, to consider those things, I think, takes real introspection. And that can be applied to every aspect of life. I mean, politics is easy once you've kind of gone through that journey, isn't it? Yes, I, I think that's right. And, I, you know, the funny thing is... Getting baptized brought me so much peace and so much joy and really elevated my life in so many ways that one of my complaints that I sometimes would take to God is, why did you take so long? Why did you let me wander around like an idiot for 50 years? You know, <laughs> like, 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 it's not, not that long. A, you know, it's not that hard an idea to get. And one of the reasons I think that had to happen to me was I wanted to I had to see all the bad arguments. I had to live out all the bad arguments. And one of the reasons that's an advantage is many people who are born into the faith and stay in the faith don't understand why people don't just see it. And mm -hmm. they'll say, but don't you see it's right here in the Bible? And the guy says, well, I don't believe in the Bible. That's yeah. not an actual argument. You right. know? <laughs> and, and so to have built my faith up from the ground up without the Bible, really, to have to get to the Bible actually makes it very strong. So when I hear certain arguments, I can think like, yeah, I've been there. I, I, I believed that for a while. Yeah. And then that fell apart on this, you know, that hit this rock. And it actually has been very useful that way. Oh, that's great. That's um, great. Andrew Clavin, I mean, we're really happy to have you here. It's and, a thrill. Yeah. It was great. Uh, Daily Wire, uh, uh, the po podcast you can get there, right? Yep. Um, and I mean, that's a, you know, you're talking about a great, uh, great place to show up. You got you, you got Ben Shapiro, all the, the, you know, they cover every bit of news as well. Uh, it's a great place to go and, uh, you can get it. It's every day, right? Monday um, through Friday? Monday through Thursday. Monday through Thursday. Yeah. Okay. And, and the name of the book, of course, is the great good thing. Secular Jew comes to faith in Christ. So awesome. Pick that get up it. too. Andrew Clavin, thanks, thanks so much for coming on. It's great. Thanks a lot. All right. Thanks. Back in a second. Triple eight, seven, two, seven back more. Come on. That's great. Triple eight seven two seven Beck. Uh, there was something that uh, we didn't get to last hour that I thought might be interesting. Uh, oh, was it the uh, the video of the the robot? I did want to see that one. Do we yeah. have the robot okay. burger Let's thing? Do that. Can we start there, and you can find whatever you were talking mm -hmm. about. Uh, here's a, I don't know. I guess you want to talk about your fifteen dollar minimum wage. Uh, watch this video and then come back to me, Bernie Sanders, yep. and tell me what's going to happen to those jobs if you really get your fifteen dollar minimum wage. Watch. <laughs> Mm -hmm. 
keeps track of each burger's cook time and temperature. That's great. It alerts human cooks when it's time to apply cheese or other toppings. And that job's going away, too. They're going to figure out how to pick up cheese. Wow. Darn right there. Digital systems send tickets from the counter back to the kitchen. Wow. So it's even, I mean, Moves that's... burgers okay. from the grill. Can't wrap them or add finishing touches yet. 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 Okay. So it can't put ketchup on it or whatever. But Pickles. again, that's easy. I mean, that's an assembly line. You could do that. Wow. You could actually, like, see the chicken, difference between a chicken sandwich and a burger. Eventually, this, the software will enable, uh, I mean, they can do everything from cutting the vegetables to, I mean, this is uh, pretty impressive. They're going to put it in its restaurants uh, by 2018. That looks uh, pretty good. I mean, that's, why wouldn't you do that? Why well, wouldn't you do that? Well, because you'd want a human and you'd want to pay that human no, you $20 really don't. an you really hour don't. and pay their insurance <laughs> no. and make sure that they were able no. to provide for their eight children family. By no, you really don't. You really don't want to pay a human $15 an hour to do what this robot can do for $0 an hour. You'd be pay the initial fee, whatever it costs. Let's say it's $5,000. Then you're done. Mm-hmm. Oh, so now what? I have to go you're up done. to a computer kiosk and punch in my order? Without talking to a human, yes. and then have a robot make yes. my burgers. That's, a, that's and another then have thing I don't have to, to pay the front for. Counter, so I yes. can't talk to anyone. Yes, that's what I'm saying. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, first of all, I'm 100 percent behind that. Uh, what you just described. <laughs> Me too. I want to. I love that. So badly. I love that. Um, but it's also uh, a, a situation where you wouldn't. You could probably make one of those places with no employees at all. Yeah. I mean, really, you could get eventually. And you're probably a few years eventually. away from that. But like, if you think of like, they have now. Have you ever seen these places? They're out in Texas. And you know how they're like ice huts? It's like a hut. It's like there's no employees there. It's just an automated ice vending machine yeah. where you can buy ice. Yeah, they've had oh, them. Yeah. Yes. Which is, to me, like this is an entire business, right, where yeah. water's going in. It's freezing all automatically. You're pressing a button. It's all coming out. It's, you know, they obviously have them with vacuums, and they have them uh, yeah. by, you know, to vacuum your car. They have car washes where you can do it all automated. You're going to get to the point where your food's coming out this way, mm-hmm. where they're cooking it fresh. You'll probably get it even more fresh than you do now because it'll all be timed perfectly to when you pull up to the window. Plus, when you order something medium rare, it'll be medium rare because that senses the right temperature Mm -hmm. and then stops cooking it. What happens when it's not, Pat? Who are you going to complain to? Uh, I'm just not going to go there anymore if they can't get it right. Right. Although, you know, I'll go somewhere else. You probably, at least at the beginning, have one employee to fix problems, right? Eventually, yeah. but eventually, it probably gets to I, a point where I you need just, it. I, absolutely. You're 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 going to end up with maybe one or two people uh, overseeing it. I mean, you have to have at some point, unlike your ice machines, uh, you have to have. I mean, the human does have to come and make sure everything is working properly. Yeah, and, and upkeep and that, what have you. That so. goes away over time. Over time, these things, the, the systems get perfected. And you, I mean, but even if you're going from thirty jobs to one, I mean, again, this is the this is the ramification of jacking up these minimum wages. And you have McDonald's just started this. Yeah. Uh, they just started putting kiosks uh, in their restaurants. I was thinking too, is that you, know, that you think about the one guy at a restaurant with his chains. You have uh, one person sitting in his office uh, that was remodeled from his garage at home, and if something breaks down at store 232, he goes to you call Bill, and Bill shows up at 232. And Just fixes like a vending it. machine. A vending yeah. machine as we, goes out of order, and it's off a line, and so that restaurant closes for a couple of hours, but yeah. so what? Um, have you uh, have you ever been to a restaurant with a kiosk? Only Like, like Panera has them, uh, yeah. as an example I would think about around here. Have you had that awkward moment where you walk in and there's no one in the store and there's someone behind the counter and you still choose the kiosk? Oh, I go to the human every time, though. See that? I of do. course you would. I do, I do not. No. Kiosk yes. every it's time. Not, and me. it's not awkward to me. I just, I don't care. 
I, See I would rather talk to the human. <laughs> I, don't, I don't care. At some point, I'll be like pressing a button uh-huh. and it's like not working, and I'm like, ugh, ugh. and the, the person actually one time said to me, um, uh, "Yeah, I can actually take your order here, sir, if uh, if it's not working." I'm like, "No, nah, no, nah, I'll get it to work." <laughs> I'd, I'd rather solve the technology issue yes. than speak with you. <laughs> yes. See, there's the, so, I, yes. I, I am exactly opposite. You really are, aren't yeah, you? Yeah, I am. I, why? If no one's, if you won't go to the store and no one's there, and you have someone that you can mess around with behind the counter, come on. That's not what you're supposed to do with them. You're not supposed to mess around with them. No. Well, I mean, have a conversation. This is, I mean, in all seriousness, here is the most unlikable person in America, and he's the guy who wants to talk to people the most. That's why our country's screwed up. Because he likes to hassle people. Yes. He loves it. He lives for it. Uh, And then people wonder, why are you so mean to Jeffy? Uh, He's just a a terrible human being. He's awful. That's why. He's He's awful. awful. That's why. We're actually nice to him in relation to how we should be. And people bust on us Uh, all the time. You you believe that, don't you? Mm -hmm. Yeah, of course. Speaking of new technology, though, the Tesla Model 3 is uh, coming out and uh, here's nice. a look here's a here's a quick peek model 3 revealed july 2017 that's now everything you need to know about the car coming up it'll come in four colors red silver metallic gray and black man i love the way tesla looks uh relatively low starting price of thirty-five thousand. i'm not crazy about the look of this one i don't like this one yeah that's before tax incentives of course so you'll pay what 28 with extra add-ons price will likely top forty thousand. although again doesn't include the government uh thing right 215 miles uh goes charge zero zero to 60 and under six musk has said more expensive versions will go even faster yeah, this is one of those suite of sensors. Regulations are loose, and the car could drive itself. Huh. Access to the largest supercharger network ever. That's not saying much. Oh, yeah, it is. Look at that. Because yeah, I, I just watched a, I watched a story, and I'll, I'll tell you when this video is done. But that's a big network. It has no grill. Doesn't need one, of course. The handles are also flush with the door. Oh, that's kind of cool. That's kind of cool. I don't like the look of this one, though. It's squatty and... Yeah. It's and a, no grill. How are you going to eat? You can't cook anything. No, you don't have a grill in the... Forget it. And they have the gigantic screen like all Teslas do. I, I actually don't like the screen that you don't? the Teslas. It's too big. It's, it really is. It just it looks like they just stapled an iPad yeah, to the yes. front of it. I mean, it's not my favorite part of that car. Yeah. Mercedes has a... Uh, I, used to, I drove a Mercedes for a while that uh, someone else owned, and they have a nice, pretty good size screen on them. Is that Dashboard. your way of saying you stole a car? <laughs> I, just, I, saying I drove a car for a while that somebody else owned. <laughs> yeah, that's a pretty nice screen. And the police called it Grand Theft Auto. <laughs> they don't call it that if they don't know. <laughs> More anyway. patents too coming up in a <laughs> Yesterday, I made a grave error, and I'd like to apologize for that now. On yesterday's episode of Spoons, we featured the Reese's peanut butter cup with white milk chocolate, white chocolate. And at the time, I don't know if I was in a bad mood. I don't 
I don't know if it just, I was being flippant, maybe in a hurry to get the episode over with so we could get the hell out of here. <laughs> but I, I gave that cup a 12 on the scale of 1 to 18. A horrible injustice was done. <laughs> it's at least a 15 or 16 product. And I just want to apologize to Reese's and its parent company, Mars or Hershey or whoever makes them. <laughs> Nestle, maybe? Nestle. I'm, uh, I'm sorry. They really should be their own parent company. Do they have a parent company? Reese's really should just own Maybe it. Reese's is just okay. Reese's. Reese's. You know, it's that big. Mm-hmm. It's a but, uh, yeah, that, it's a that is a that is a fifteen or sixteen product. That was really freaking good. It uh, was delicious. Yeah, and uh, a that uh, was way hasty. A really, I, I guess I just say it, a brave moment there Thank uh, you. from you, Pat. To, to you. I mean, because we've it's always difficult. said we lead with our mistakes, <laughs> and we do, and we do. And now it's time for today's spoons, which is mm-hmm. kind of actually related. Um, mm-hmm. We're very excited today to bring back another product from the fine Reese's company. Hopefully, Pat will That's not. That's how sorry I was. <laughs> Let's bring another Reese's bring product in. Else. It's not because we want to eat another <laughs> Reese's. No, People no, are probably no. thinking that we wanted to, to eat no. another Reese's, and no. absolutely not. How much time do we have here, uh, Lee? We have one, one minute. We better oh, here we get go. into it, then. These are the big and crunchy cups. Is that right? Uh, Look at the size of that cup. Oh, yeah. That's huge. A, that's the right size. Of it's massive. That's like three pounds. Uh, maybe four. Size isn't always better, though, on this stuff. I, you know? I'm it's not. It's about the ratio. A huge, chunky fan, though. Oh, yeah. Chunky peanut butter. Mmm. I'll tell you what. Got the peanuts in the peanut butter. Mm -hmm. Not bad. Is this the first time they've done that? I don't know, but I like it. I will say this. The peanut butter ratio Mm. on the big cup is excellent. It's still good. There's a lot more peanut butter. Inside, there are a few peanuts. There's more chocolate. There's more peanut butter. And then, usually I don't like peanuts in a product, but I got to say, I'm not going to be hasty this time. Mm. I'm not in a bad mood today. Mm -hmm. I'm going to give this a 15. I'm going to go up, and get, again, the scale is 1 to 18. I'm going to give this as a 16, and I might have an on-air apology to give it a 17 Whoa. tomorrow. <laughs> Back with more in just a second. Oh, these are good, man. Season finale, Wonderful World of Stew, tomorrow night, uh, 8 p.m., this network. Watch Already? It or die. How short is your season? Like 12? How two, short? Uh, what two episodes? Don't no, even do I think any three? show. I think it's right? 10 or 11. What the hell? Maybe like 20-something <laughs> a year. Glenn does a little bit more no than that way. on Think Tank. Uh-huh. Uh, and uh, he talked about the stuff going on in the Middle East. Not quite as good as Wonderful World of Stew, but watch. Uh, okay, um, let's go to um, let's go to the Middle East because the Middle East we have to play Risk. Do you remember Risk? Game of Risk, yeah. Yeah, we have to next week. Maybe let's do our own board of Risk and put in uh, who the allies are if this starts to break apart, because uh, who actually has the money to be able to fund a global war? Who has it? And, and issue number five, if, if Turkey's out, what does that do to NATO? We can't automatically count on... Well, right? look how close NATO was to electing somebody who said they're going to change their alliance from NATO to Russia in France. Yeah. I mean, you know... And the whole and point think, of NATO, Article 5 says you attack one, you attack all of us, and we all line up against you. What if that may be done. of NATO attacks the others? Yeah, right, exactly. And how does that affect with a president who has not supported NATO as much? Who supports who and who, who is allied with who? It, it's so confusing right now because it's based off of a system 
from after, like what, 1948, 1949. Oh, yeah. It, it, like the whole yeah. purpose of NATO, that the purpose of NATO is not collective you know, defense. It's the purpose is to stop the Soviet Union. They don't right, exist right. anymore. Yeah. Right. It does not exist. So NATO is there, and they don't even know what they want anymore. Yeah. So now you have Western Europe. Their interests don't align with someone from Eastern Europe, like say from po someone from Poland or whatever. I mean, we support Poland now more than we actually support you know, other countries like France or Germany, especially Germany right now. Tell me, did anybody see what happened in Sweden this weekend, that they're now talking about that they are in a cold civil war now? And they believe that a hot civil war is going to break out. And they believe they are done. I was reading some stuff on Sweden. You know, we were just there. Were you with me, Jason? Mm -hmm. I was just there last year. And everybody said, why are you going to Sweden? Why are you going to Sweden? Because Sweden is going to be a very important hot key in the future. And just this weekend, I'm reading that um, there is such a split between, and they've hit the tipping point, between the the refugees coming in who want nothing to do with the Swedish culture and the Swedish culture. And then the government right in between the two not promoting the Swedish, Swedish culture. And the people are hitting the Bubba effect point where it's getting bad. It's interesting. It's, it actually will be a barometer. The, those Scandinavian countries, they're the first ones oh, yeah. that uh, let in tons and tons of refugees that I'm thinking about it. And the ones are the first ones that adopted full-on, basically socialist-type principles. Yes. So all of and those are about to come all to a head. They're all collapsing. They're yeah. all collapsing. And the problem with Sweden and all those Norwegian countries is they were so homogenized that it's easy to keep people on the same page because you're all pretty much alike. And so they kept everybody on the same page. Now that's not true. It's starting to come apart. They look at themselves as the really the, the refugee home of the world. They look at themselves as more enlightened than the rest of the world. And I mean, you know, they were tremendous in World War II. What happens when they realize, uh-oh, we may have just dug ourselves a grave? It's, it's frightening. So we need to tell their stories. Yeah. So here's the deal. So next week we'll start with risk, but we have to look at the countries that we would say are allies what is the refugee population? How, are they, how is that handling, being handled in each country? And what is their ratio to debt, GDP ratio to debt? How far over the cliff are they? Who can afford a global war right now? I mean, Nobody can. That's oh. the problem. Right. No, that, that may be the savior. <laughs> yeah. That's the fourth piece. Yeah. That's the fourth scenario. Who can afford any of it? Well, that hasn't stopped our government before, though. They just print more and pretend that we have the money and just go forward. You know, even a global war, World War I, World War II, most people don't understand that we were responsible for a lot of World War II because of the way we handled the peace at the end, and we sunk the British Navy because we told them to mm -hmm. uh, for global peace. But the other side of that is that's where the power shifted was World War I. Nobody had money, so we had to finance. So we said, ship us all your gold, we'll give you dollars. That's why we have the world's gold reserves, because they all, we were the world's bank. Who is the world's bank today? It'll be interesting to see how Trump leads with this, because I think a lot of people, particularly in the presidential race, you know, he was more the libertarian when it came to, to this. But I don't know. It's going to be interesting, like, when... This actually... Yeah, when push comes, comes to, to shove. I exactly. think it's kind of what you've been talking about for a long time is that reset button. And people have always taken that as some extreme thing, and it might be, but that's we're coming to a point where things are going to 
reset. It will all reset and the borders will all change. That's what global war does. Mm. And it just makes everybody just hold their breath and say, good Lord, make this stop. And so nobody complains after the war is stopped. Tell me about ISIS. So ISIS, they are on the verge of losing both their capital cities. Um, Mosul, I got a buddy in Mosul right now that keeps sending me videos. They're just insane. Some insane stories about what life was like under ISIS. Uh, he's talking about how um, the, the civilian, civilians there were forced to live off cat meat. So they were like butchers that had no meat left and all the meat was, all the food was hoarded by the ISIS soldiers. So all the people banded together, rounded up cats and they were living off cat meat. Um, just incredibly sad stories, but they're just about pushed out of Mosul and uh, American-backed forces are now at the old city, which is uh, pretty far into actual Raqqa in uh, Syria. So they are just on the verge of losing their two major cities. Uh, the, the problem with a lot of this is, is that, so ISIS is down, they're definitely not out. They're uh, going to get pushed back into areas where they're very, very strong, like the Anbar regions of Iraq. This is where we've already basically done this to them before. We did this to their predecessor when they were called Al-Qaeda in Iraq. We destroyed it. We destroyed it with Iraq, the Iraq's help. And they went off into the desert, and they sprung back up and declared their caliphate. We've done this before. So they know what they're doing. They, they were fully prepared to lose cities when they did this and territory. They're going to go back to the places where they're strong. They're going to wait for sectarian violence to, to spark back up, provide more soldiers. You're already seeing this with Iranian Shiite militias that are starting to carve up the Middle East. My question is, what is their plan? Because right now, we're not, we're not saying we're going to support Assad, but we're actively helping this paramilitary force, which is a terrorist organization, world-designated terrorist organization, to take all this territory. Turkey is already saying that they're going to come in and destroy this group that we're backing once Raqqa falls. So are we going to suddenly just stop supporting these guys and support Turkey, a NATO ally? Or are we going to shift our allegiances over to Assad and Syria? Or are we just going to let Iran take over? They are not so, saying. Quagmire is the word you're looking for. <laughs> Global quagmire. Global quagmire. Look at, look at who's involved in all of this. Russia is involved in all of this. Iran is involved in all of this. If Iran is involved, North Korea is involved. They're sharing. Russia is involved. If, if, um, if Iran is involved, North Korea involved, China is also involved. I mean, we are, we are looking at a global meltdown. Well, it's what's happened before, though, is, you know, we'll kind of back one terrorist organization in hopes of defeating another. And then once we defeat the original one, that terrorist organization that we backed becomes the powerful one. And now we got to go find another organization to take them down. So it's the happening over and over again. So who's uh, who's interested to see what's going to happen or has an opinion on what's going to happen with Trump and Putin? It's their first <laughs> meeting. This is a this is not just an off the cuff. This is a serious negotiation. Bilateral talk. Yeah. yeah. So it's not just going to be him and Putin. It's going to be them and their senior advisors right. and uh, foreign ministers. And uh, they're set to meet Friday. Is that correct? Friday. Yeah. yeah, Friday. Will this be a chance for Trump to show his modern day presidential, right? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll see. I don't think that. his modern day tweeting, uh, presidential <laughs> tweeting, is going to impress gonna Vladimir Putin. This, I, don't, I don't expect too much out of the meeting between the two of them. I think that they are pretty much at a couple of, like, there's only so far they're going to go, there's only so far we're going to go, and it doesn't matter how much we think Trump likes Russia or would like to do a reset with Russia. It doesn't matter. That, that's always campaign talk. It, it, it just the, the Russian collusion thing, it goes into my, it's just, it's dumb. 
We are never going to be friends with Russia. But never is going there to a chance that these two men see each other eye to eye because in some ways they're cut from the same cloth? They have Trump? respect for each other. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, think, so. I think that that's why they're going to have a problem is because they both want to be, you know, the, the tough guy. Yeah, the, they both are going to want to strong arm the other one. And I think that that's why they're going to clash. But Trump is out of his league if he's well, trying to he clash is. with Putin. I don't know who is in their league. I don't right. know. I don't right. Exactly. But, but when has Trump ever admitted that he was out of his league on anything? That's Absolutely. True. And and why would Trump or why would Putin reinforce that? Why not just play smart and play dead, play friend? And, uh, and make play to his ego. Well, yeah. it also makes him look bad in the media back yeah. home if he's like, "Hey, he's my oh. buddy." Yeah. yeah. Hey, well, according to CNN, oh. though, according to the polls, it's still okay. We trust Trump more, or we trust CNN more than we trust Trump. So it's okay. The polls. That uh, poll <laughs> is so <laughs> misleading. Give, give me the poll numbers. So online poll, uh, the poll said that hey, people online trust CNN. Poll. Yes, <laughs> no. I know. Right. Highly oh. scientific, right? And the New York Times uh, that they still trust them more than they trust Trump. So it's okay. Right. It's good. And I know it's seven so points. many conservatives <laughs> that are taking an online poll <laughs> with the Washington Post and New York Times. <laughs> so they, they say conservatives forty-two. Um, Trump? They were saying, um, well, they were saying that Republicans, Trump, uh, are, they believe in more trustworthy than CNN by 91%. Um, and then Democrats think the opposite. I mean, come on. So Republicans trust Trump at a 91% rate over CNN? Yeah, but then the Democrats are on the other side. Hmm. So it's just part yeah, I mean, of it. It's just like just, what it has always been. Jerseys. Right. <laughs> it's just team jerseys. It's just team jerseys. what we already know. Exactly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>